into Corinthians chapter 12. Let me just say, I know Pastor Dennis uh, shared how much he appreciates this church. I just say ditto. And the church has been so good to me. I mean, me personally, you all, and I appreciate you taking good care of me. Your pastors take just great care of me. They always have. And I appreciate it. And all the people who labor, and you, you know, you come for a week like this, and we're going to have to learn. I'm going to say something by the Holy Ghost here. You're going to have to learn to run with us. Now, I don't know by the Spirit, I'm not going to say everything I'm thinking because some of you couldn't get it. But I'm just saying there's changes coming in my ministry that may be different than what we do right now. Mm-hmm. You remember just a few years ago, I'd have two speakers in the morning. Lord, Lord said, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't have a lot of praise and worship in the morning. Just sit, get somebody up to teach. Yeah. And your people won't be so wore out. You ought to thank me for that right now. Yeah. And then I'm thinking about maybe coming and doing a week or two weeks. We just do night meetings. Let the pastor preach on Sunday and let me rest maybe a day or two. Amen. And so we'll just see. Yeah. You know, Brother Hagin talks about, and I know this will blow you out of the tub. He said we sometimes he went two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks. In the sa- and he went morning and night. I don't know that I want to do that, but I'm just saying. Yeah. We're, open. We're open to And, you know, if you're not open, you won't flow with us. Not about the amount, about, amount, it's not about the amount of people that come for me. I go to churches sometimes with 20 people yep. and have some of the best. I went to the Flocks Church and they just have a brand new church. I mean, how many years have you been up there? Two years. I went last year. First meeting. They did something no other church on the planet's ever done for me. Praise God. And, and we had what? How many people do you run, Pastor? Just 20, 25 people. We just had an outstanding meeting. So I'm not impressed with large number of people. I'm impressed with people that want to listen and come and receive and respond and change their life. I don't, I don't take that away from my preaching time tonight. I could go further, but I'm going to hold up. I'm open for change. I'm not open for change just because somebody thinks they have a good idea. That, that does not affect me. But I am open to the Holy Ghost to show me how to change to make things, listen carefully, more effective. Where we can have more fruit. Where we can affect you in a greater capacity. Where we can move you from point A to point B. Or if you're F to G or wherever you're at in that spectrum. You know, some are preschoolers here. Some are first graders in the things of God. Some of us may be in junior high. But I guarantee you one thing, none of us, including me, especially me, has walked in the fullness of all that the Father has yet. And I've only been in this about uh, come next month to start 44 years of ministry. So I know that's true of you because you're somewhere behind me probably a little bit. Not because I'm all that, but I'm just saying. When you're in full time serving the body of Christ for over 40 years, you learn some things. Okay, you're in 2 Corinthians 12, just park. I want to give you some sayings here. The the higher the office you stand in, the more weight your words carry. The higher the office you stand in, the more weight your words carry. You don't look at the miracles of a man's ministry to see if he's right, but you look at the fruit. Does it add to the local church? See, I'm very cautious about... 
the local church because I'm a local church guy. You know, I'm like in the local church 101. I don't have any ball bats in my trunk, but I'm just really committed to the local church. Yeah, and I always tell people, don't send me your tithe. I'm not your pastor. I don't care if you don't go to church. I'm still not your pastor. You need to find the pastor that God placed in your life. So if the church is added to by my coming, that's what I'm after. I'm not after a big offering. Offerings come, offerings go. Some people that you least expect in your life do the most for you. I've proven that out over 40 years. Had a few people, one or two, that had a little bit of money. They were so selfish and tight, they never helped me a bit. They were worse than some of the children in my church that they give every week, tithe every week. I'm talking about sixth graders. Whatever you get in a meeting, listen carefully, whatever you get in a meeting, you have to learn to protect it. Whatever I've said and done and preached to you this week, you've got to learn to protect it. And if you don't, guess what will happen? It will flee away from you. It will dissipate and go away. If what we said was accurate and if you could receive it, you've got to protect that. You have to protect divine supplies. I know you know this when you have expensive jewelry. You have something that's meaningful to you. And I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing that. That's normal. But how much do you value the divine things of God? And if you get those things, you have to learn to protect it. And you have to feed into that and feed back over that. I mean, if I was you... I would get the CDs of the meetings and go back over. And if one of us stood out more than the other to you when they taught, I'd listen to that CD over and over and over and over. About the time you think you're sick of it. I don't like to use that word. It's like cussing. Sick. But you just stay with it. I listen to my spiritual father every day that I live, typically. I have for over 20 years. And he's in heaven. But he still speaketh. All right. You can't force people to receive. You need preachers need to listen to me. Some people get it. Some people never do. I've had people with me sometimes have been with me 15, 20 years. They don't know. They don't know a thing more than when they first stepped in my church. And they, and some of them got stacks of notes they took from me teaching, but they never did it. They just were good note takers. I'm not putting down taking good notes. You're smart. If I say something that hits you, or go back and buy the CD. If you can't do both in a meeting, I would sure spend the money to get it, to listen to it where you could pause it and write that down later. Because some people can't do both. I used to take notes, and I don't take notes very often anymore because it distracts from me listening. So if you fall into that category, or say Pastor Dennis said something you needed more than what I've taught you, listen to his more than what, you, what I said. How many are really listening to me? <laughs> I forgot what I said here a minute ago. Let me go back. You can't force people to receive. Sometimes you'd like to. I know little Betty likes to bring up Susie at the altar so she can get it. But you can walk her up here, but she's not going to get it. You can't force her to receive if she's not open to receive. Same with Bobby and Jim, you know. I'd like to get people to receive, but I try my best, but I can't force people to receive. A lack of respect will shut down the anointing. Now, I'm not trying to put you in bondage. I'm trying to get you out of any if you have any. I was in Mexico City. I, I've been there 18 or 20 times. I've been 
110, 100 and some mission trips my whole life, probably 50 of them, maybe a little over, have been to Mexico, but I've been to Mexico City specifically somewhere around 20 times. And I was in a meeting, it's been about eight years ago, with a different man that I'm connected to today. We had a, we had a meeting, he had a meeting, had me in for a meeting. I think it was a two or three day meeting. We were meeting in a preschool facility. Uh, they had Mickey Mouse on the ceiling on a blow up dog, <laughs> Minnie Mouse and Goofy and Donald Duck. They had a ball pit because it was a daycare for kids. How many are listening? I had a word of knowledge about cancer. Said if you have cancer, get up here. God's going to heal you. I started praying for him. There was about eight or ten people in line. Got to the third or fourth person. All of a sudden, it's like that a cloak on me, that anointing lifted off of me. And I could feel it. And I thought, who's jacked this thing around today? I started looking around. Some people over here had gotten in a cabinet, eating Oreo cookies and Pepsi. I said, hey, you, leave my meeting right now. I can't believe you're so irreverent that you would, if this was your mother up here, your son or daughter being prayed for, I can't believe you broke into food and drink. Go sit in your car. Do you really say that? I said it just like that. See, they didn't think that had anything to do. They're in a show. They're they're partying like they're at the drive-in or a movie show. I said, you've made the anointing leave me. I'm going to pray that you leave and the anointing comes back so I can finish praying for the rest of it. <laughs> and it did come back. Did they leave or not? I didn't pay attention to them anymore. I felt like they felt pretty ashamed. They should have. Yeah. I know we don't like things like that. Me to say things you think, we don't want to hurt nobody's heart. What about the people that are dying? I've had people in my church, you know, I was one big guy, I'm thinking he's in heaven now. Doesn't surprise me. A lady, I prayed for a lady over on this side of the altar at home. She was in a wheelchair, got up and ran down that aisle. I looked back there and he's standing like this. She went right by him. He came to see me recently after that and said, you know, things don't seem to be working for me. I said, I can tell you why you stood there like a telephone pole when so-and-so ran by you, no hands up. No smile on your face. What was that? What was that? Was your daughter ran by you or your mother or your wife? You think you could have got excited? Well, he didn't like me. He got offended and left my church. Good riddance. I don't need people that stand there when God's doing miracles like just daydreaming. I don't know what they're thinking. Just because you're not up here, you should be a part of what's going on. We are the body. Not me. We are the body. Preaching real good, right? <laughs> so I want to talk to you tonight for my time. And I don't know if I got anything else to minister to altar, but that's all right. See, you've got to learn, listen, every service should be different. They all should be anointed. You know what I mean? The service should, the music and the preacher, whoever the preacher is, male or female, doesn't matter to me. But the anointing should be in that service. And sometimes God just has me, even though I'm a prophet, teach, but I'm teaching out of that prophet's ministry. So what does that mean? I already mentioned one thing. My words, because of my office, carry more weight than the pastor and the teacher. I'm not more important than them. I'm just different than them. Okay, I've got, I think, ten things written down here. I don't know if I can get to all of them. 
but I want to talk to you. First of all, prophets, and again, let me just say this so you don't get confused, are prophetesses, which are the female gender. God can use whoever he wants. I found there's female apostles in the New Testament, female deacons in the New Testament, female pastors in the New Testament. I mean, with the prejudiced society, that's a little difficult, but if they're anointed, they could do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So first of all, prophets, these are characteristics. They're people of revelation. They have revelation. I think I mentioned that the other night. Let me give you a scripture. I've got scriptures for all these. I may just tell you where it's at, but I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 and verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. If you were here this morning, that's what happened to me. I didn't have any pre, mm, any alertness that that was going to take place. I was just sitting here being a good receiver, listening to Dr. Rogan. And all of a sudden, this angel appeared at that column. He was about two thirds up to his head. I'd say he was about 10 or 12 feet. And then all this area here became like a screen. And I saw this building. And thank you for giving me that portfolio. I read it over. Frank did a great job for you. Yeah, and I saw that building. They had a, what do you call it, a rendering of what they're going to be. I saw that building come up little by little. See, I had a vision. So, you know, then I'm responsible to convey that to the appropriate people, which primarily was Pastor Debbie and her daughters and, you know, the people at Merced. Then I have a revelation of certain things that maybe other people know a little about, but I have a revelation. I have a revelation about angels. I never asked for it. I just studied the subject because God told me to, but I've been studying it now close to 40 years, probably 38. Same for deliverance. In fact, I've studied deliverance more than the angels, probably a few years extra beyond that. And you know, people made fun of me back then. Some, Some still do, but don't bother me a bit. Because I know the people that have gotten delivered from my ministry, and I don't mean just in America, I mean all over the world. They appreciate the fact that I knew what I was doing. All right, I'm not bragging. If you, you know, you could study it, but that don't mean you have a revelation. When you, let's, let's, how do you know you got a revelation? Faith comes to you. Some of these things you need to study again, but here's a key to it. I'm just talking to you is to meditate more on what you think you know and God will really help you know. And you can't do that when you're trying to multitask. See, then part of that's characteristic of the prophet. I gotta be alone with God or it frustrates me. That doesn't mean I don't like to fellowship. That doesn't mean I don't like to cook out with somebody. I don't wanna cook them, but you could cook a hamburger for me and I could eat it. But it's not about just running around fellowshipping. I love these pastors here. They're all related to me. But I've got to be careful to get back to my motel room by a certain time. I learned part of that from my spiritual father. I learned part of it from the Lord. And just lock myself in and just get quiet. I'm not in there praying, screaming in tongues all afternoon. I'd be hoarse tonight. Had to learn that the hard way. God wasn't impressed with that anyway when I used to do that. He was impressed with my level of commitment, but he wasn't impressed with me hollering all afternoon, wearing myself out. Finally learned that from Brother Hagin. I pay attention to the generals. They're not here anymore. 
thank God they wrote books and sometimes you can listen to things. All right. Also, 1 Corinthians 14. I'm still talking about what was this first characteristic? Revelation. 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, let me find my reference. Let's, let's pick it up. Uh, let's pick it up at verse uh, 28. But if they be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29 and 30. Let the prophets speak, two or three, and let the other judge. And that would mean really the other prophet, because if you weren't a prophet and a prophet was preaching, you might be able to judge some of what he's saying, but because you're not in that office, you wouldn't be as keen of spirit as another prophet observing that. How many understand what I'm saying? And it says, uh, let the prophets speak two or three. Now, you know, if you don't have prophets in your church, you wouldn't normally do that every Sunday because the prophet isn't the pastor. But you could have meetings. This is what this is talking about. Some kind of, some kind of like what we're having here because verse 26 says, how is it when you come to brother, together, brother, you have a tongue, have interpretation. And now what that says in verse 26, have a doctrine, have a revelation. There's that word revelation again. But I'm down in verse 30. If the other prophets were up speaking, if anything be revealed to another or to another what? Another prophet. Him that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. Now, you know, if you notice, I tried to be very non-assertive because I wasn't trying to get the mic or get attention when Pastor Keith was ministering. I was waiting until I felt like he was done or did what he needed to do. Or he could have come back after I did that if he yielded to me. But of course, he was willing. You know, see what I'm saying? Because I've had a vision. Now you can say, oh, isn't that sweet? Well, it isn't sweet if I don't obey God and follow up to tell the people that I had the vision for what that's about. That goes with the prophet's office. The Old Testament, are you learning something tonight? Now listen, I want to make this clear. I'm not walking around every day seeing stuff. I wouldn't want to normally. There's demons in this planet everywhere. There's angels in this planet everywhere. And a lot of them that work with me work for me. They stay with me constantly. And some of them that I send out, I send them out to do certain things. I'm not going to go down that trail with you tonight too. I'm staying on my course here. But the prophet would tend to have visions and revelations. If you had a vision, of course, if it was a vision for me, I already told you this the other day, but I'm going to repeat it. The Lord said, when I turn 60, Michael, I want you to start talking about the visions you've had. I said, I don't want to do that. Well, why not? I said, because those are holy moments of intimacy with you. And either with that other world, the demons over there, or the angelic beings had both kinds of visions. And I don't want to share that with the whole body of Christ. I already take a lot of persecution just being a word person. My God, you're heaping it on me. He said, well, it's either that or else. I said, I'd be glad to do it. (laughs) You see, you act like you'd be glad to do things too, but you're not in my position and you haven't been faced with all that. Maybe your grandpa got mad at you because you spoke in tongues. Big deal. Get over it. (laughs) Maybe, maybe your mother don't want nothing to do with you anymore because you're a tongue talker and you believe in divine. Get over that. Yeah. See, that shows you you're just in preschool. Yeah. You let that affect you. Okay. Sounding a little rough tonight. I'm not trying to be. Okay, so let's see. Number two, 
uh, you, the prophet has the heart of God. He knows the heart and pulse of God. But the prophet seems to know that intuitively and God speaks to him about it. We have it here in Jeremiah 23, verse 16 to 18, God talking about false prophets who say they saw this or that, but it was just from their own imagination out of their own mind. It wasn't something God shared with them, God said to them. And there's just a lot of people that just play with stuff. You're going to be a dangerous person if you act like that. See, I'm, I'm giving you a definition. You can read it later, Jeremiah 23, 16 through 18. The false prophets. God labels them. They say this, they say that, and it's just a bunch of nothing. That's what, I'm paraphrasing, but it's a good paraphrase. Doesn't affect you, it's not right, they really didn't see it, or they're just trying to puff people. Come on. Make people feel good about themselves. I want to make you feel good about yourself, but I'm not going to lie to you to do it. I guarantee that. And that's part of the reason God wouldn't allow a prophet to pastor. We run everybody off in a few weeks. You, you couldn't take me on a regular basis. Not that I'm mean, but I'm just, I'm geared different than the pastor. I love you too, but I love God more than you. So I'm not moved by people, whether they like me or they don't like that doesn't have any bearing on me whatsoever anymore. I got rid of that. You know, I found a verse in scripture. I'll just tell you the book it's in. I'm not going to give you the scripture. It's in the book of Acts. Paul said, God sent me to the people he's now delivering me from. I love you much, but I'm delivered from all of you. I'm even delivered from my sons and daughters that want to get, go crossways to me. I've, I've had a lot of them that I've done nothing but bless. They just got offended and walked away. God had big plans for them, but they forfeited it. I'm not mad at anybody. You know, if you get mad at people, it won't do you any good. Just hurt you. I hope I'm not talking too deep for you. Some of you are looking at me. Oh my God, what's he going to say next? <laughs> There's a lot you haven't heard. Me too. <clears throat> true prophets preach under the unction and truth, whether it's popular or not. There are a whole lot of Holy Ghost nightclubs and bless me clubs in America that they call church. Yeah. A true prophet cannot turn the gift on anytime he wants to. It's exercised as the spirit wills. Now to turn back, if you're still, I don't know if you went to Jeremiah, I stayed in 1 Corinthians 14. Turn back 1 Corinthians 12 and look at verse 11. And this talking about all the gifts, I haven't got time to read the whole thing, but I want to get to this one scripture, verse 11. But all these worketh that one and the self same spirit. He talks about minister gifts up to this point. He talks about gifts of the spirit up to this point. And he says, all these worketh that one and the self same spirit according, uh, dividing to every man according, every man severally. That word should be individually as he wills. So how do the gifts operate? As he wills. I can prepare myself. Listen to me carefully. I have a responsibility to prepare myself and do my best, but I can't pull all the knobs and switches and the breakers and put that into action for you. It's only as the spirit wills. Just trying to help you. Everything that some people call supernatural, is just fluff. And most believers, I don't think they know the difference. Are you talking to me? I'm talking to everybody. 
And one time my staff brought me in and said, we want to show you this clip on TV, this guy in Florida preaching. And I said, I saw it, watched it for about three. I said, turn that off. That's the devil. What? Yeah. yeah. Well, he acts like you. I said, I don't care what he acts like. I'm telling you, turn that off. Yeah. Or I will turn it off for you. Yeah. Not going to watch that nut. And within about six weeks, he repented for all that. And it came in the news and everybody then, man, Dr. Jacobs must have knew something. Of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Everything that God does, listen to me. Verse 11 is the key to this. It's as the spirit wills, not as Michael wills, not as Dr. Jacobs wills. I'd love for God to use me as much as he would want to use me. But I just prepare myself and you should. But I have to be patient and wait upon him for to unction me and anoint me to do this. Because then it's got a bite. You know what I mean, a bite? <laughs> you know, sometimes, and that's not true in this church, but sometimes I go to churches and they don't know how to sing anything with a bite in it. And I just wish they hadn't sung at all. And if they sung in the beginning of the service and didn't help me, I never rebuke them or say nothing. It's not my part to do that. If the pastor asks me on the way to dinner about it, I say, yeah, I don't know what you're doing, but you're not doing something right. But normally they don't care. They don't ask any questions anyway. But I never call that band back when I'm ministering. I say, the praise team, just stay seated. Get up here if you need such and such. (laughs) All right. The anointing needs to come. I'm still talking about this, uh, you know, what we've been talking about as the spirit wills. The anointing needs to come in order to minister. All right, number, I'm on number three, the friend of God. If you don't have a number the same, it's okay. The, the prophet is a friend of God. Exodus 33:11 is one of the passages. And it says that God spoke to Moses like a man speaks to his friend face to face. Can you imagine that? I'm not claiming to be like Moses. I'm just telling you the prophet is very intimate with God. And that's a a scripture that says that. And then Amos 3 and 7, I do want to read that to you. Together, you could look it up with me. Uh, Back in the Old Testament, Amos 3 and verse 7. Am I going too slow or are you okay with me? And you know, if I just get this out and... uh, We'd be further ahead on understanding this wonderful gift of the prophet. Amos 3 and 7. The other reference was Exodus thirty three eleven. Surely the Lord God will do nothing. Amos 3 and 7. Surely, not maybe, surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And sometimes that's the way prophets are. Like they speak by sudden inspiration. I do use notes. I think you could tell that. But sometimes I don't have to have notes. I just take off and then certain things come out of me I wasn't planning to say. Because there's a certain burst of inspiration comes on me to say this or that while I'm preaching. That the Holy Ghost is unctioning me to say. Not to hurt feelings, not to make people feel put out, but to try to instruct you a little better. So if, if somebody comes in this church and was said they were a prophet and don't have any of these characteristics, guess what? They're not. They could act like me. They could behave like me. They could lay hands on people and fall out, but that don't make them a prophet. 
You know, the New Testament teaches the ministry of the evangelist. He's got to have working of miracles or gifts of healings or both in his mantle. He's not. You know, Richard Roberts is an evangelist. And I know he doesn't, he, he can lay hands on people, but that's not his flow typically. I've heard him talk about it. He, he, he functions in the word of knowledge like I do, but it's a different operation. You listen? I'm not competing with anybody. I'm just bringing some things out. You know, you know, you just think that God would help us if we get more specific about what we believe about these things, understood properly what's in somebody's mantle. Yeah. So God's going to reveal things to his uh, prophets because it's secret, it's intimacy. I put down close deliberation between the prophet and God. And sometimes you could speak, speak or sing by sudden inspiration. We were just at our youth camp recently. We had about 200 kids. And I preached a message on how to prepare yourself for revival. And the leader of the praise and worship sung it when I got done. And I, I was ministering. I wasn't paying attention to him. And that they know how to help me. But at the end, he came over to my table and he showed me, these are the notes you gave tonight. And this was the word of the first line of that song, second line, third. Did you realize that? He sung what I taught. <laughs> what a refreshing. Now, you don't, if you don't have the gift to do that, then you can't. <laughs> you can try, but you're going to fail. But some people will have that if they're anointed to do that. And that brings a whole other dimension to that meeting at that moment. I'm preaching on healing. They're talking about the four-headed frog in the book of Revelation. See what I'm saying? I'm being dramatic, but just helping you. Uh, prophets are people of demonstration. Sometimes they act strange. I've had this happen twice in my ministry, this particular operation. There's others things I could talk about that's just as strange, but I don't want to go down that trail too deep because I'll start getting over into, uh, hang on a minute, a revival we had at our church. And I don't want to take you down that trail right now. But there was a lady got in my prayer line one time. She came up. I was at another church, not my church. And she had a, a little coat on the blouse and she said, you think you could help me? And she went like this. And there was a big tumor right here about as big as a grapefruit. I said, yeah, I can help you. And God said, hit her in that tumor. I went, bam, that thing just left her. I'm normally not hitting women. But God said, hit her in the tumor. And when I hit her, that thing just deflated. You didn't hear the air, but it just, and it would disappear. Where'd it go? I don't care. There won't be any of those things in heaven, I can guarantee you. All right. Then I had another lady get in the prayer line. I was over at an African-American church. You may have been with me with, uh, what's his name? Huh? Arthur Patterson. He's church in Louisville. It's primarily African-American church, whatever that means. It's just my brother. And I was in that church and I taught on something that night and I had a word about depression. And what we would do, him and I, he would come to my church and preach and bring his praise team, which was always at that time a lot better than ours. And he was a good dancer. He could really, I can't dance that good. So, you know, just forgive me, but he could really book it, you know. <laughs> and then I would go to his church and preach. And that night I was at his church, but my church, we canceled our church. So our people would come be together 
just for fun. And I had a word about depression. People got in the line. I got to this one lady in my church. She's a white lady, but her name is Tawanta. She reminds me of a Disney movie about an Indian girl. Hey, yeah, 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 hey, yeah, yeah. Tawanta Phelps. It just sounds like she don't look white. That name doesn't bring up whiteness to me. <laughs> and I went to pray for her and the Lord, and I, I was going to pray for her and she, she came for depression and the Lord said, I want you to hit her in the stomach as hard as you can. So being the guy I was back then, I just laid hands on her head and you would have been so impressed. I prayed a very good pastoral prayer. And she stood there and thanked God a minute. And then she started back to her seat. But God wasn't pleased at all. And he yelled at me. Nobody else heard it, but he yelled in here. Are you going to obey me or not? Yes, sir. Tawana, come back. God's got something special for you. <laughs> yeah. Now wait till I tell you what happened. So she's married to a Marine that just came back from Iraqi tour. And he's about six foot two. He's a hunk of a guy and I'm level five, seven. I thought if I hit his wife and she don't get healed, he's going to beat me up in the parking lot. <laughs> That's what I thought about. So I said, come back. God's got something special. And I was so thrilled <laughs> when she closed her eyes. <laughs> and I went, bam. And this spirit came out of her chest. It looked like a bird with a demonic head. I've seen that before in my minute. And he's kind of wiggled through her chest and flew off out of that building. And so she fell out and got up and at the end of the service, she came back to me and she said, you know, something strange happened to me when you prayed for me. I said, did they tell you I hit you? She said, yeah, but I didn't feel it. I just felt the anointing, but something unusual happened. So I just acted dumb. What happened? <laughs> and then she said, there was something in me that came out my chest area and it kind of went like that and took off. I said, yeah, it was a bird. Like it was a demon spirit yeah. of depression that got in you. I don't know how, but when he came out, he just wiggled out and took off. Yeah. Now I don't always see something, but that time I did. And she confirmed it. I've had people confirm things like that all over the world. Hallelujah. Number five, prophets are people of confrontation. You know, remember Nathan, uh, the prophet confronted David for the Bathsheba thing. Yep. And then he executed her husband, if I remember right. Yep. Told his men to get around him, put him in the heat of the battle, and then withdraw from him. Yep. He had no defense, and they killed him on the battlefield. David had that done. So he committed adultery, and he murdered somebody. Yep. But see, God thinks different than we do because he says, David was a man after my own heart. Well, God's not a murderer and an adulterer. But David, I found a scripture later. I don't remember where it's at or I'd tell you. Other than that thing with Bathsheba and that, he never did anything against the Lord his whole life. He must have been quite a fellow. I'm talking about David. But Daniel, I mean, Nathan confronted him. And then we have Elijah confronting the prophets of Baal. I've often wondered, and God hadn't responded yet, how did he get those 400 prophets to stand still so he could slit their throat? I never got an answer yet, but he killed 400 prophets, one prophet. I mean, 400 prophets of Baal, the demons, yeah, yeah. men that worship the devil. Yeah. 
Okay. And then we got John the Baptist. He's yelling at uh, Herod or whatever for stealing his brother's wife. And don't you know, he hated him for that. And then the wife had a, you know, young girl, a daughter that danced before Herod. And he said, I promise you anything up to half of my kingdom. And her mother said, ask for the head of John. Because he was scared of John, he hated to do that. But because he shot his mouth off in front of all the dignitaries, he said he wasn't going to back down. So they brought John's head back to him in a platter. See, prophets confront things. <laughs> sometimes it's uncomfortable. And sometimes I've had to do that. And, sometimes, and, and let me say this about confrontation. Most of the time it's private. Doesn't have to always be public. Don't get scared. <laughs> but sometimes I've had to correct people. Because so, they were in severe trouble with God and in some major sin. And I had to say, listen, you need to straighten this up. And they, and they kept saying, what about my ministry? I said, you do not have a ministry at this point with all that you've done. God will restore you, and as your spiritual father, I will work with you to help you get restored, but quit saying, what about my ministry? I'm not going to tell you what they did because it's too elaborate. None of your business. But, but that's the last time that they ever talked to me. Yeah, sometimes you lose friends. I was very close to this couple for many, many years, at least 10 or 12 and went to where they lived at in the planet many, many, many times at my own expense because I loved them. All right. He or she, a prophet or prophetess, also could prophesy privately to someone. Hallelujah. Because, you know, that's just, you don't have to do everything publicly. Now, if somebody's a hypocrite, sometimes a prophet may be led to do that in a setting that demands that. I remember one time, Dr. Summerall, I'm just talking to you. Are you listening? They were having a prayer meeting. Dr. Summerall was at the prayer meeting and he said, um, this elderly lady was in this prayer meeting and they were all knelt down praying. And there was a lady that was a prostitute that was shacked up with a guy in a hotel across town. And she boasted to this guy she's with, who's not her husband. She's having sex. I'm going to go to that church and deceive those people and they're going to take up an offering for me. And she started to say something in the middle of that prayer meeting. This little grandma was knelt down, never looked up. You will die if you just don't quit talking right now and leave this building. And she said, you're a woman and you boasted to this guy you're having sex with that you could come and deceive us tonight. She never even looked up. She was in prayer. And you better get out of here or you're going to fall dead. Yeah. <laughs> Once you know that would stay, make our church yeah. be more uh, alert. Oh, yeah. You know, it is in the Bible, in the book of Acts, even yeah. new covenant. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of other people lied, but Peter knew about the guy and his wife. Yeah. I remember one time Doc Summerall said there was a guy in his church. He had a lot of money, wanted to be rich. He was called to do something else. He was in a service. Dr. Summerall's up and said, pointed to this guy and said, if you do not repent right now, if you try to leave, you'll fall dead. He took two steps and fell dead on the carpet. Yeah. Well, that'll make people listen to you. Yeah. Or they just forget you because 
they don't think that's biblical. We're not out to get anybody. But listen, when you play with God's church and you boast about doing things that are inappropriate, he takes that personal. A lot of times, let me say something about God. In this new covenant, you and I have a long time, our grace to repent, our mercy. But you can run out of that eventually if you just keep on. You don't want to exasperate God, if I could say that. (laughs) I just know God. I know him a little bit. I've been saved almost 50 years. 2021 be 50 years. And I'm not a play with it guy. I wasn't a play with it drug dealer. I'm not a play with it pastor, preacher today. Yeah, I've made some mistakes. I've made a lot of them, but I've always been quick to repent and quick to forgive. Quick to forgive people that tried to do me harm and quick to ask God to forgive me when I did the wrong thing. Good t- that's good teaching right there. If you just got that little comment. Here's another thing about prophets. They're, they grieve over things that God's grieving about. They're saddened by what grieves God. Uh, It isn't an excuse to be moody. But he gets grieved, the prophet, and could get depressed if he doesn't handle things correctly. See, when I was a younger man, I was totally emotionally controlled as a teenager. I know none of you were ever that way. Oh, my gosh. But I was. You know, people like me, that's great. If they don't, oh, my gosh, you know. I was just emotional. Extremely emotional. And that made me up and down, in and out. But I I decided one time about 30 years ago, I'm going to stop all that nonsense because God dealt with me. And I'm going to crucify my flesh. I'm going to crucify my feelings. And if you like me or you never come to another meeting in your life because you're mad at me tonight, so be it. I've already forgiven you. I know I'm talking a little strong and I don't think Pastor Mines, I'm not down on anybody. I'm trying to help you. And so sometimes before I understood that, I would think, I'm starting to be depressed. And then God would say, you know, you're just grieved about what I'm grieved about. Because we're close. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know everything. Listen, let me give you another scripture. Paul said, we know in part, I think it's 1 Corinthians 13, 10. We know in part, or maybe it's 1 Corinthians 13. It's around 10 or 11 or 12. I don't remember the exact right. It could be even verse 8. We know in part and we prophesy in part. See, you only know part. <laughs> I was in a meeting, Pastor, Pastor Keith was with me in, in Olathe, Kansas, a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Rafael Hernandez. It's a Hispanic church. He was interpreting for me and I got up to preach and I was so befuddled because I couldn't go anywhere. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I had notes, but I could, there was nothing, there was no unction to flow in that. And I said, hold up. <laughs> and I said, there's somebody here that has elevated fluid levels in your liver. And then I thought about what I'd said. And I go, oh my God, what have I said? What is that? Elevated fluid levels in your liver. And there was a pastor I'd met the year before sitting right where Stephanie's sitting. He jumped up and said, my God, pastor, that's me. And and I heard the story later. He said he'd been to the hospital. He's an ex-drug addict like me. And I had hepatitis and it did a little damage to my liver, but God healed me. But anyway, he had some serious problems now. He's in the ministry. He's starting to have some problems in his body. He went to the doctor. He said, you've got elevated fluid levels in your liver. 
And he said, I was at the hospital today at 3 o'clock and came to your meeting at 7. And at 7.30 at night, you said the very thing the doctor says. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. And I'd never heard about that. I'd never heard anybody say that. And the doctor says, you're in some big trouble. And you need to, it was on Friday night. You need to come back Monday and let me take more blood. He went back Monday and they took blood and they checked his liver stuff. And they said, you're fine. Everything's normal. Somebody must like you. That's like their way of saying, we don't know what happened. And I'll tell you something, your blood doesn't lie about your body. You get blood tests, it always reveals what's in there. Anyway, it's important for you, I'm asking a favor, that you pray for the prophets. I'd like you to put me on your prayer list. And since, you know, you could always pray in tongues, if you do pray in tongues. You could ask God, Father, I'm going to pray for Dr. Jacobs, wherever he's at on the planet, and just pray in tongues for me for a few minutes, if you would. But I'm going to give you a scripture that I'd like you to pray over me. It's one of my favorites. There's many. This is out of your Bible, Colossians 1, verses 9 through 11. So, you know, you could read that when you get home tonight and pray over me. Because I've got a good day of travel tomorrow, and then Sunday morning I'll be preaching back at Church on the Rock. You can look it up yourself and you can read it right out of the scriptures. And if you get hung up on a portion of it, just realize the Holy Ghost is quickening you to pray that. You can pray the whole prayer, verse 9 through 11, but you don't have to pray the whole thing at every setting. Trying to teach you about prayer. (laughs) Because you get into a rut, you know, you feel like I got to pray the whole thing. Well, maybe not. And you just read it. I'm praying this for Dr. Jacobs and read it to the Father. How hard would that be? You can read. You got a Bible. And whatever translation you got, I'm going to trust that they did a decent job on it. No, I'm being real. You still here? Hey, we're making good time. I don't know what time I started, but anyway, here's something else about a prophet. The atmosphere needs to be right many times in the congregation or someone did something that quenched the spirit. And sometimes that's music. Sometimes that's people getting into a cabinet, grabbing Pepsis and Oreo cookies when I'm up in front ministering to people with cancer. Don't think I didn't yell at those people. I doubt they'll ever do that again. I guarantee they wouldn't do it in my meeting. Anyway, we're just talking here. So let's look at some verses here that validate what I'm teaching you, that I'm not just making this up. Believe me, trust me. If you came to me, you're not going to do that. I'm not going to let you come and question me. But if you did, I got four more scriptures in this pocket, six more in this, and four in the front pocket. Praise God. More than you have time to listen to. But let's go to Ephesians 4. I'm going to validate what I said. What did I say? Sometimes the atmosphere uh, needs to be right many times in the congregation or someone did something that quenched the spirit And that just brings the service down on a lot lower level. I'm not expecting perfection, but I would like to think that you'd want to get flowing with me when I'm up here preaching. And I don't think that you have not done that this week. But if I don't talk to all of you like this, just straight right up. Not mixing words, trying to make you feel buttery, (laughs) smooth. Then I think you ought to judge yourself. Ephesians 4 and 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So God says, don't grieve the Spirit. How would you grieve the Spirit? By disobeying Him. You know? 
or doing something that would not be pleasant for the spirit. Are you listening? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go down there tonight. I belong to Dr. Hatterball's church. I'm going to listen to this guy named Dr. Jacob. He says he's a prophet. Well, you just grieve the spirit, my friend. And whatever I could have blessed you with, you've, you've aborted it. Not because I'm mad at you. I didn't even know you said it, but God heard you. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I don't plan to be either. I'm just the real deal, just trying to share my heart and show you that these things are important. That's why if you don't have teaching like this in a good church and some of that, not necessarily, but it has somewhat be strong at times, that is because God cares about our churches. And when you don't teach strong, let me tell you what you end up with, a church full of renegades. Everybody that's ever left me that was a spirit-filled church, I've had a spirit-filled church for almost 40 years. Everybody that's ever left me ran across town to some church that don't believe nothing. They don't pray for the sick. They don't believe in casting out devils. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe in the gifts of the spirit. They backslid. Because I know for a fact the pastor got up and said, we not have none of this speaking in tongues around here. You get it? He wasn't as forceful as me. He's kind of a different tune guy. Not just a pastor, but kind of chicken. He didn't want to spoil it and everybody leaving because he's got one of the biggest churches. Well, whatever. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm talking to you just to help us to see, not just for this service tonight, but for all of our life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19 through 21. Quench not the spirit. Now, you know, this morning I had a decision to make after I had the vision, saw the angel. Am I going to obey God or not? But I already determined I would do that before I got here. But, you know, I did have my will got involved in that. What I mean is, what if I say that and nobody likes it? I'm just making up stuff. I don't think like that normally. I wonder if I say it, do I get it right? See, I'm starting to talk myself out of obedience. And by not obeying God at that moment, I'm quenching the spirit. Like Tawanta prayed a good pastoral prayer. You'd have been impressed if you'd have heard me and thought, man, that guy really... Prayed good. But see, I was totally in disobedience because God had already told me, hit her in the stomach as hard as you can with your fist. <laughs> so I got to make a decision. And she's married to a Marine for all goodness sake. And he's here with her tonight. Hallelujah. I'm just so glad it all worked out. <laughs> Quench not the spirit. How about when God tells you you're praying in tongues, let's say you have some private time to be alone with God and you prayed for 20 minutes and he said, won't you give me another 20? You have no idea, neither do I, what's going to occur in that next 20. I may not even know when I'm done praying for 40 minutes in tongues that it did anything that I can consciously grasp at that moment. But I know I'm praying and so I know I'm edifying my spirit and I'm communicating with God And maybe the answer doesn't come to me right then, back the interpretation, but it always comes. Maybe a week later, two days later, two hours later, or maybe I'm praying about something that, listen to me, can't all be handled in one little prayer session. It's a bigger project than that, maybe some issues. But if I'll pray consistently and obey God and I say, I don't have time to do that, I've got to go watch my favorite TV show. 
See, see, we're not, if we're not careful, we quench the spirit. God says, don't watch that. Don't watch it. God says, don't rent that movie. That's not appropriate. God says, don't do fellowship with these people because you know, they don't like the pastor and they're going to corrupt your attitude. Yeah, but they've been friends a long time. That's irrelevant. You're starting to quench the spirit. (laughs) I've noticed this in 40, 43 years of ministry in the local church, birds of a feather flock together. I had a guy in my church. He was a professor, had a PhD, taught at the university. He went to lunch with me. He said, I've heard you teach on speaking in tongues, but I, I, I can't get it. I said, let me ask you a question. Who else you listen to? He mentioned a guy on TV. If I gave his name, everybody in this room would know him. I said, that's your problem. He don't believe that. I'm teaching you it's right and he's teaching you it's wrong. And what's wrong with you is you're confused and you're becoming eclectic. Come on. Come on. And you're never going to get it. I'm teaching you from the Bible. He's teaching you his denominational views. And that brought confusion, which is not faith. A double minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. <laughs> I'm helping you really good now. Despise not prophesying. I was in a church one time and this same lady, oh my gosh, I wasn't the pastor, but boy, she irritated me. And it just became apparent after a while, you just go, not her again. You know, and sometimes people abuse things. I know you don't think you do. Maybe you don't, but you know somebody I'm talking about. In every service, if it just stop for a second, yeah. uh, you know, I love you, saith the Lord, I love you. Yay, yay, children, I love you. <laughs> and I finally wanted to say, we all know that, sister. Shut up and sit down. <laughs> it didn't edify the service. It didn't bring us up higher. It, it made us frustrated. Yeah. And she thought she was ultra spiritual. She never stayed in any church. I know she's probably been in 10. I don't even know she goes to church today. That means crazy. Get your brain out and play with it and put it back in. I don't get it. Don't let people like that turn you off to the real legitimate prophecy that can come from somebody that's anointed. I'm not talking about myself because when I prophesy, my office is involved in that too. You understand what I mean as a prophet? And sometimes there's the word of wisdom, which is the prediction of the future of what God's going to do or what he wants us to do. (laughs) I had that happen in 95 and some of that prophecy is in print. It's not on my website. It was for our local church. It's still evolving. That was 1995. How many years ago is that? 24? Mm-hmm. 24 years ago. All right. Now look at this here. Don't let people that abuse something shut you down from the real. And let me show you something. This interesting word here, prove, is a, is a uh, meta, meta, not metaphysical, metallurgical name, word, and my, my father-in-law, he's in heaven now, he had a PhD in metallurgy, which is the study of metals. And he was in Who's Who's of America because when they first started sending people up and bringing the spacecraft back, they had the wrong alloys on the outside of that. You know, it heats up, you come through a period of thousands of feet and the degrees are in the thousands, I don't remember. And it would just burn up everything, including whatever's inside that capsule. So they hired him and some other 
doctors of metallurgy. What aspect do we need to take out of that shield? What aspect of metals do we need to add to that that will withstand that? And they did it. And then he got hired to do the Alaskan pipeline. They built these pumps, put them in the pipeline to keep the oil pumping because, you know, it's pretty cold in Alaska. And they don't, you know, it's pretty cold. It's pretty cold in Alaska. It's not like Florida. You know that. Okay. Or Texas. And the, the pumps were so, would become so brittle because of the extreme temperatures. They didn't put heaters in there with fuel either, you know, oils of fuel. But they had to figure out what kind of metals to take out of those pumps that they were building the pumps with and what kind of minerals or assets they need to add to it to make it withstand that cold temperature. And they accomplished it. That's the name, that's the, this word here proved that's what that means. In other words, test things that somebody says that is God. Of course, the more spiritual you are, the more discernment you would have. I'm not saying question everything, but listen to me. If not, we're not careful. People will quench the spirit. And then if they do it enough in a church, people go, oh no, not him again. But we should have enough. I'm giving you a Bible for all this. You do know that. I didn't make this up. Prove it like you'd prove a metal by putting it through a test. Is it valuable or did it help us? That's what you got to ask yourself. All right. Hallelujah. All right, let me move on. I'm getting pretty good now. Intercession. I'm on number seven. And I don't know if that's what you numbered yours, but, and then let me just give you another scripture on this last point. Acts 5.32, before I go any further, it says, God gives the Holy Spirit, Acts 5.32. God gives the Holy Spirit to those that obey him. I said to you, I think the first service, I don't remember if it was, but I made this comment this week. I'm pretty sure if I didn't, I forgive me, but God has a lot more for all of you, but it's just beyond your comfort zone. Did I say that earlier this week? I think I did. In other words, what you're comfortable with is all you'll tolerate, but God may be calling you. He calling all of us to come up higher. The spirit of God moved on me beginning this service talking about it. (laughs) And I committed to him back verbally because I knew you got to respond. At least for me. He's got more, more increase, more influence. And you have to say yes and amen, I'll do that. But sometimes that's going to take us to a place, at least initially, outside of our comfort zone. But you know, we've only been this far. We haven't been up here yet. We definitely haven't been up here. We definitely haven't been up on this. I don't want to stand on this. I might break this. Then if I could stand on the top of that. You see, there's a whole lot more God, but it's right outside of what we're comfortable with. Well, I'm accustomed to this right here. I'm, I'm fine, Father. I'm fine. Won't you take another step? Wow. Wow. I never saw that before. There's a lot you haven't seen, Michael. Or whatever your name is. Now, I'm not saying we're just running through this thing always to get something new from God. That's not what I'm teaching. But God will challenge us to come beyond our comfort zone. Do you listen to me? (laughs) You know, I had to finally come to a place and tell my church, you know, I'm not your pastor anymore. And I, and I was big enough to get up after doing that. I was trying to travel full time and pastor full time. is just too much. And the Lord said, you're going to die in a couple of years if you don't make a decision. And you already know what I want you to do. 
And I said, yes, sir. So I stayed two more years because I thought my son was too young. And then when I did resign as the pastor, I'm still the CEO over the whole thing, but my son pastors there. I said to the church, listen, I apologize to you for hanging on two more years when I really didn't have a a new vision for you to take you to places. My son's going to take you there. Thank you so much for your warmth. But I just knew I didn't fit there to stay there. That's my home plate. That's home church. How many are really listening? You're not trying to find out if I'm telling the truth, are you? But I'm just big enough to admit that I was wrong. And I said, I apologize for that. I was just trying to fulfill two roles and I can't do that and and live. I mean, I wouldn't mind going to heaven, but I don't think I want to go tomorrow. I think God just got me to a place where he could use me a little bit. Yeah. But you know, I stepped away from my salary. Just talking to you here. You know, that would have been, I would have been 67 years old. I'm not led to retire. How many know you still need money if you're on the planet? So my son, some of my sons helped me with that. I'm just talking to you here. And if they hadn't, then God would use somebody else to help me. Talking to you. Let God train you and let your spiritual father help you grow up. One of my sons called recently and he said, you know, I was preaching, Dad. You got a minute? Yeah. I was preaching and, and I don't know about halfway through my sermon, God showed me this guy in the third row. And, I, and this is what he said. I just internally said, I'll get to that. Then I got to the end of my sermon and I said, what'd you say? He wouldn't talk to me. I said, oh, I know what you did. I've done that myself. It's called preaching through the anointing. You should have stopped and obeyed God right then. Wow. He said, really? I said, really? Because I did that one time with the father. And I just said, well, I didn't say this, but this was what I was implying. I know you would never do that. I said, well, wait a little bit and get back with me on that. I'm preaching right now. I got to the end of the service. Now, who was that you told me to call out? And he wouldn't talk to me. I kept it together, you know, because I'm a man. Till I got to my hotel room. Then I started weeping and bawling. I said, Father, forgive me. I know I've offended you. He said, yeah, you sure have. And I'm not going to tolerate it. Either you're going to obey me when I talk to you or stop doing what you do. I said, yes, sir, I repent. And I've not done that since. That was several years ago. You know, sometimes we can get so, feel like it's so important that I do this or that. But you're, when you take the lead, when the Holy Spirit should be leading you, then you're wrong. I'm on number seven. I got two more, but number seven is intercession. The prophets normally are men or women of deep intercession. But now this is true too. Only when the spirit of intercession hits you. In other words, I can pray, I could pray, you know, and I could pray, I'm going to pray for so-and-so, and I could pray certain things out in English to a degree, but I don't know everything that person's going through. But if I'll ask the Holy Spirit, he'll help me to pray out things in tongues. And then occasionally I get into travail, which is a deeper level of intercession. But you're not going to stay there real long because it's too intense. <laughs> I remember one time I was praying intercession. I was going to the Navajo Indians. 
I had about 12 people praying with me and I fell out on my face in a circle and I began to pray in this dialect I'd never heard before, but I knew it was important and I prayed it till I hit a note of victory. And then I went out to the Navajo Indians and the first time I was around them, heard them talk, I realized I was speaking Navajo and I live in Indiana. I'm not an Indian either. See, God was just using me to prepare me for that journey. Hallelujah. Many times prophets will go off and pray by themselves. It's not that we don't like other people. It's just sometimes God deals with us like that. And then, you know, we have some witnesses of that. Exodus 32, you can study that. Where Moses and stuff. And then 1 Samuel 15, I think 10 and 11 there. Uh, I think it's when God rejected Saul from being king. I don't remember if that's exactly it. And it says the prophet was so grieved about that that he cried all night long. Because he realized something had taken place that was very bad. Because somebody had to be removed. All right, you with me? I'm not bringing you down. Are you okay? I got two more things. I'm just, these are character. It doesn't mean all nine of these happen every moment that you could discern that. But these should be a composite of the prophet or prophetess. Hope and expectation. True prophets are men and women of restoration. Let's flow here to Galatians. If you're, I don't know where you're at in your Bible right now, but go to Galatians 6. And I want to look at two verses and I'm just about done. Uh, the prophets have hope and expectation. And uh, this is important because it says here in Galatians 6, verse 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man or a woman be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such a one in the spirit of humility or meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Notice it says, uh, you know, if you're spiritual, you should be able to restore somebody. Are you listening to me? I remember one time a guy brought his wife to me and said, you know, my wife's very immoral. And I said, really? He said, yeah, and he would talk to me about it a minute. She was there, and I said, put your hand on her belly. Watch what happens when I pray. I said, come out of her. And all of a sudden, this big thing started moving within her while he had his hand on her. I said, now watch this thing. I'll leave her in just a second. And I yelled again, come out, and it left. And she was normal. Still married. They worked it out. I was able to restore them. And I told her, spirit, you know, of immorality has gotten on you. Because you gave yourself to some people you shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Had that happen several times in my lifetime. And some men too. That did certain things I won't mention publicly. So when you're spiritual you could restore somebody. But notice it says you which are spiritual. So we'd have to be spiritual enough to restore people. <laughs> Hallelujah. The last thing, not take a lot of extra time here, is Humility. Prophets and prophetesses are people of meekness and humility. I thought that was true of Dad Dufresne to the T. He was a very humble man, a very meek person, a very uh, not a showboat person. He wasn't all about himself. He was about us as his sons and daughters. (laughs) And, And, you know, he was very, he wasn't afraid of us. And I praise God for that. I got corrected a lot just sitting in a service. I don't have to, he don't have to get me in the back room, but there was a few times he did. 
And, you know, when I first met him, I said to him, I said, I feel like I'm supposed to submit myself to you. Let me just tell you that a minute. This may help you in your attitude towards your pastors. I said, I don't know if this will work, Dr. Dufresne, but I feel like I'm supposed to submit myself to you and my ministry, but me personally, primarily, but also my ministry. And this is what I want to say. If you correct me, I promise you I will never grab my pacifier and blanket and run off on you. I'm only going to tell you that once because I'm sure a lot of people shot their mouth off to you before, but I won't do that to you. I know you just barely know me. He said, no, God's already talked to me about your son. Son? That's the first time anybody called me son. And then he wrote his personal cell phone number on a piece of paper and slipped it across the table and said, this means you'll come help me too. I said, yes, sir, I understand covenant. And we never had another problem. He was the teacher and I was the student. I was always there to assist him. I wasn't there to get my own way. I wasn't there to get promoted. I never asked him to speak about anything. I sowed into his life financially. I prayed for him. I traveled with him a lot. And sometimes I'd go all over the world with him. Went to Russia three times, Germany a couple times, England with him. Went to Lima, Peru six or seven, eight times. Went to Mexico with him. I loved him. I just committed to him right up front. And you know, if somebody had called me and said, you know, Dr. Dufresne killed his grandmother. I said, well, what, hot, what uh, yeah. prison's he in? I'm going to come visit. Yeah, right. That would have been my attitude. Not, he did. Yeah. I can't believe that. See, you're not covenant. Yeah. <laughs> See, I just went to serve him. It was never about me. That's right. Amen. I never thought, when do I get my shot? Yeah. I didn't even want a shot. Yeah. I just wanted to assist him. Yeah. Listen, this will make you great sheep if you'll get this. <laughs> yes, sir. Just a spirit of humility. And I knew he was ahead of me. And I knew that whatever I needed, he had because God told me that. I don't mean like to go in there and you don't want to mean be selfish, but I mean just to learn, sit at his feet and let him mentor me. A man with a lot more experience than I did had. And, of course, then eventually, of course, not too long, I figured out he's a prophet. And now I figure, oh, I see, Father, you put me with him because I have similar calling. And the things I just taught you is out of his book, Characteristics of the Prophet. I may have added a scripture or something here or there to help talk about it. Did you get anything out of this tonight? And right now I don't have anything. We'll just see here for a second. Just talking to you. I'm not mad at anybody. Listen, I'm not. I'm not mad at anybody. I just wanted to share those things with you to let you start thinking about the office of the prophet as compared to maybe others that maybe minister. Hallelujah. How about, uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Praise God. How about Dennis, Pastor Dennis, Dr. Hattabaugh, or Pastor Angie, do you have anything you need to do to obey God? Okay, how about you, Keith and Cynthia? Are you, okay, you believe you do. You got a, a mic here? Here, 